Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Good afternoon and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. And today we'll be studying Jeremiah chapter 50, and this will be study number 7. We're going to be reading Jeremiah 50, verse 12. Your mother shall be sore confounded. She that bear you shall be ashamed. Behold, the hindermost of a nation shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. Well, we've been uh, going through Jeremiah 50, and uh, we've seen that uh, in this chapter and also in in Jeremiah 51, God is describing the judgment upon Babylon. And why is he judging them? Well, the primary reason that God gives is because it is the vengeance of his temple. Babylon was used of God historically to destroy Jerusalem and the temple, the um, the temple that was in the city Jerusalem. And spiritually, Babylon represents the kingdom of Satan uh, as God looses him at the time of the end and he comes against the New Testament churches and congregations of the world, a spiritual temple, the, the outward corporate body that represented God's kingdom to the people of the earth. And Satan and his emissaries destroyed that temple of the church. And God said in the previous verse, in verse 11 of Jeremiah 50, Because ye were glad, because ye rejoiced, O ye destroyers of mine heritage. And the unsaved took pleasure. They relished the opportunity to bring this destruction to the the churches and congregations because it the word of God was there and it was the word of God the two witnesses as the Lord uses that figure to represent the witness of his word in the congregations it was the witness of the word of God through the churches that was a source of torment to the unsaved people of the world and and therefore they took pleasure and rejoiced when this word was trampled underfoot when when God abandoned the churches and and also it was as if the two witnesses had been killed because the power of the spirit of God that uh energized and and uh, made the two witnesses such of force was um, removed from the declaration, from the testimony of the word of God in every church in the world. Well, God uh, indicates that he was displeased because they they not only, uh, yes, they accomplished his will, but they took pleasure in it, in stretching forth their hand against the Lord's anointed and in verse 12, he says, Your mother shall be sore confounded. She that bear you 
shall be ashamed. And now this is actually um, not that easy of a verse to understand because God has been speaking of Babylon. And so this would be a reference to Babylon's mother. Babylon's mother. Now, God does speak of Babylon herself as being a mother in Revelation, in chapter 17, verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So Babylon is called a mother of harlots, but uh, th- this is speaking of Babylon in particular. It, it could have some um, relation to the churches, and in a sense Babylon became their mother. That That's one way we could view this, because some of the language here applies uh, to the churches that became a part of Babylon, and and therefore they were involved in spiritual harlotry, and Babylon would have become their mother. And God, therefore, could be saying, your mother, uh, speaking of the churches and congregations, whose mother now has become Babylon, shall be sore confounded, she that bear you shall be ashamed. And and this would, the, the language of confounded and ashamed, those two words, um, confounded is Strong's number 954, and ashamed is 2659, are found together a few times. In Psalm 71, it says in verse 24, My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. And that's the same two words that um, that, that are in our verse in Jeremiah 50. Also in the Psalms, in Psalm 35, it says in um, beginning in verse 24, Judge me, O Jehovah my God, according to thy righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Ah, so would we have it. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion. And uh, confusion would be 2659. Together that rejoice at mine hurt, let them be clothed with shame and dishonor. That magnify themselves against me. And we see in both places that to to be ashamed and or confounded and ashamed is something that is not good at all that happens to the enemies of God and and therefore that fits the idea that the mother in view is Babylon and uh, a mother in the sense of conceiving a harlot as the churches and congregations became a harlot remember what God says in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 1, he says in, let's see, in Isaiah one twenty one, How is the faithful city become a harlot? 
It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. And uh, the, the first question is, how could God consider the churches and Israel here or Jerusalem would be in view and in, and in turn spiritually the church? How could God ever consider the churches to be like a faithful city? And the answer is, because righteousness lodged in it. And who is righteousness? Well, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is righteousness. He lodged in it. Uh, in, in Early in the book of Revelation, we, we read of Jesus in the midst of the congregations. And his presence is what made the church considered to be a faithful city. They were faithful. But notice the question is in Isaiah 121, how is the faithful city become a harlot? And the answer is that the moment that the Spirit of God departed out of the midst, as Second Thessalonians 2 indicates that it, it would, and it did at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, when judgment began at the house of God back in 1988, the moment, the exact moment that God's Spirit left the church, the faithful city, this would apply to all churches all over the earth, the faithful city immediately, instantaneously became a harlot. God had given her up to Satan, his uh, spirit entered in as the man of sin, and he took his seat in the temple, and the Holy Spirit came out of the, the midst, and the church was abandoned. And so, the, the Babylon, the mother of harlots, took over, and the church became a part of Babylon. She was now a, a considered by God to be a harlot, and Babylon was the one um, that begat her, who was her mother in harlotry. And so uh, uh, that understanding fits what we're reading here in Jeremiah 50. Your mother shall be sore confounded. She that bear you shall be ashamed. And it fits in the sense that God is pronouncing his judgment upon Babylon, and Babylon is called the mother of harlots. Well, um, it, it goes on to say in the end of verse 12, Behold, the hindermost of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. The uh, English word hindermost sort of leads us to think, well, this is referring to the the nation that's far back, that's that's uh, uh, way in the rear. The hindermost of the nation shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. But actually, this word doesn't mean that at all. And and uh, I'll give you Strong's number because it's helpful. As you know, what the listener or what the the reader of e Bible should be doing is checking out the things that I'm saying or that anyone is saying that teaches on e-Bible. And when I give you the Strong's number, well, it makes it easier for you to check out. 
Hindermulse is Strong's number 319, and it's most often translated as end. For instance, in Psalm 37, we read in Psalm 37, verse 38, it says, But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. Now that that has to do with the the end of the world. It, it's not um, the end as far as uh, geographically. This has to do with the end of time. In Psalm seventy three, Psalm seventy three, it says in verse seventeen, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. And that again, that's the same word. And in Psalm 73, which is a psalm um, that is describing a true believer who was envious at the wicked when he saw their prosperity, and then God, uh, as it were, takes him into his sanctuary so he can see their end. And it goes on in verse 18, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. This is the the end of the unsaved people of the world. Their final destruction. And we we could look at many other verses, but it would just teach that same thing. And And so we see... In Jeremiah 50, verse 12, where it says, Behold, the hindermost of the nations, it should be translated the end of the nations. And when will the end of the nations come? Judgment day. Judgment day that we're now in. And, and the end is underway. The, the end process began with judgment beginning at the house of God on the churches. And, you know, when we, when we reached that point in time, and, and that began in 1988, we reached the time of the end. And, and so we're well into the end stage of time of Earth's history. The Great Tribulation is now over. It, it, um, already uh, worked out for 23 years and judgment day has come. The transition was made from judging the churches exclusively to expanding the judgment on all the world. And now we're well into that period of time, which the, there's a good likelihood will continue for 1600 days. And so we are there at the time of the end. And on the last day of this prolonged period of judgment, which, again, is uh, there's an excellent possibility it can be 1,600 days. And let's say that we're correct about that. Then the 1,600th day, the 10,000th day of overall judgment will be the last day. It will be the end, the final end of the nations. But the whole period of time, the whole 
day of judgment is in view in in this verse, the end of the nations. And then God tells us what it will be. Shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. Three things, and the number three would point to God's purpose, that are really um, saying the same thing. A wilderness is a dry land and a desert. And yet, they're all emphasizing one very great truth. And what is that? Well, let's look at Psalm 63. Psalm 63. And it says in verse 1, O Jehovah, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. You see, a dry land is a place where there is no water. And anyone that studies the Bible for any length of time will soon see that water represents the gospel, that that God speaks of bringing uh, water out of a rock to typify the gospel, the grace of God that flows forth, or God speaks of opening rivers in the desert and rivers in the wilderness, rivers of water. Water points to the flowing forth of God's mercy, His grace. Water brings life, life of salvation to the dead sinner, as this world is uh, of itself a wasteland, a desolation, and a dry land. The the world has no water of its own. It, it's sort of like um, a, a desert town or a desert place that has to have water shipped in from other locations in order for there to be any sort of life. And God is the one that brought the water through his word, the Bible. God's the one who, at, at points of times and seasons, in his overall salvation program, determined, well, now uh, the Lord Jesus Christ will come. And it'll be a time of jubilee. And so there was the first jubilee that, that uh, coincided with the church age as the Lord sent forth his word into the world via the churches and congregations. And the word of God took root in just about all nations of the earth. And then God ended that uh, program. And when the time was right, he sent forth the latter rain and a second jubilee period, which began in the Jubilee year of 1994. Another glorious outpouring of the grace of God which saved the great multitude. But the hand of God stayed the water that that fell from heaven. The latter rain ceased to fall once the great tribulation ended on May 21, 2011. The water stopped. And what happens when uh, water stops flowing into a, a wasteland, into a desert. And, well, 
the water that was there quickly dries up due to the heat, and it is once again parched and dry, a land where no water is. And the natural condition of this world takes over. Just like the world is in darkness, and it's only God shining supernaturally light into the world that enlightens that darkness. And yet God says immediately after the tribulation, the sun went dark and, and the light of the gospel was put out. Well, let's, let's also look in Jeremiah 51 where we find similar language. Jeremiah 51 beginning in verse 42 says the sea is come up upon Babylon. She is covered with the multitude of the waves thereof. Her cities are a desolation, a dry land and a wilderness, a land wherein no man dwelleth, neither doth any son of man pass thereby. Now, think about that. Think about how the, the, how does the second part of the verse Match the first part of the verse of Jeremiah 51:43. Her cities are a desolation, a dry land, and a wilderness. And th- that that matches what uh, we're reading in in verse 12 of Jeremiah 50. The end of the nation shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. And and we would expect uh, the reason for this is because there's no water. And yet it doesn't mention water in Jeremiah 51.43 that it says of, of Babylon, who's now a desolation, a dry land in a wilderness, a land wherein no water is. No, it doesn't say that. A land wherein no man dwelleth, neither doth any son of man pass thereby. And immediately... We see the connection. What is the connection between water and a man or the son of man? Well, the son of man helps us to, to quickly realize it's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the man that does not dwell in Babylon at all any longer. He is called the son of man. And both references, the, the no man dwelleth and, and, and son of man are referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a double emphasis on the fact that once God brought judgment day to pass and, and once he shut the door of heaven and put out the light of the gospel and turned off the waters that, that sent forth the latter rain, all of these pictures point to this sorrowful truth that the Son of Man is no longer present in Babylon. That the Lord Jesus is no longer saving sinners of the world. And, and that causes the world, typified as Babylon, to be desolate, a dry land, and a wilderness. So we see once more that God is putting his finger on uh, the fact that there is no more salvation. And he, he is telling us this in so many different ways because 
It is the primary means of his judgment upon the world. God has removed the Lord Jesus in the sense that Christ is no longer saving. Is Christ still in the world in the sense he he um, knows everything that is happening? Yes, it, and um, Christ is still omnipresent, obviously. But in the sense of saving, it is as though he is gone. And, and that is what causes the world to become uh, such a dry land where no water is. Well, let's go back to Jeremiah 50 and continue into verse 13. Because of the wrath of Jehovah, it shall not be inhabited, but it shall be wholly desolate. Now that goes hand in hand with what we just read in Jeremiah 51, verse 43, that it'll be desolate and um, uh, her cities are, are a desolation, a dry land in a wilderness, a land where no man dwelleth, neither doth any son of man pass thereby. And then again, it says in Jeremiah 50, verse 13, because of the wrath of Jehovah, it shall not be inhabited, but it shall be wholly desolate. And when we see a word like inhabited and desolate, well, we we naturally think of people. We think, oh, Babylon is going to be a place where there'll be no people. But that is not what God has in mind. If the Son of Man is not there, then, from God's perspective, that land is not inhabited. For instance, let's go to um, Isaiah 13. Isaiah chapter 13. And it says in verse 1, so we we know who is in view or, or who God is discussing, the burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Now, Isaiah 13 is regarding the burden of Babylon. Uh, and, and again, uh, look at verse 11. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And the, the context of this passage is without any question judgment on the world. And yet, the establishing verse at the beginning of the chapter it identifies it as the burden of Babylon. We need to keep that in mind and remember that, that God is looking at Babylon as the the kingdoms of this world, as the kingdom of Satan, the world itself. And, and then we read... Um, after the Lord is, after he has discussed the judgment on the world, he switches to describing the judgment that came against Babylon uh, through the Medes and the Persians. And we read in verse 19, In Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited neither shall be dwelt in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. Well, 
you see how here God is saying that Babylon will never be inhabited. Again, uh, I want to point out, he is describing judgment on this world. In Isaiah 13, there, there's no mistaking the, um, the reference to Babylon in connection with the judgment on the world. It has nothing to do with the church except uh, as much as the church is now a part of Babylon and likewise experiencing the judgment on all the world. And in the context of discussing the judgment on the world, the Lord switches easily back to describing the judgment on Babylon, and he states, It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelled in from generation to generation. It, it's exactly what we're reading in our verse in Jeremiah fifty thirteen, because of the wrath of Jehovah, it shall not be inhabited, but shall be wholly desolate. And again, the, this is proof that God's judgment on the world involves the removing of his Holy Spirit, the end of his salvation program, the removal of the Lord Jesus Christ, as far as saving goes. Uh, let, let's allow the Bible, let's allow God to define what it means to be wholly desolate. In Jeremiah chapter 6, in Jeremiah 6, it says in verse 8, Be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from thee, lest I make thee desolate a land not inhabited. Now there, we, we see that God is defining for us what it means to be desolate, a land not inhabited. Notice, he is not saying, um, uh, be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest um, I cause all the people to depart out of out of the land. He doesn't say that. He says, lest my soul or my spirit depart from thee. And then that statement is, is now restated in the next part of the verse. Lest I make thee desolate a land not inhabited. Therefore, the biblical definition of that which is made desolate or a land no longer inhabited, is a land where God's Spirit has departed from it. This is why the churches and congregations were made desolate. Remember, we read of um, the abomination of desolation that stood in the holy place, and and spiritually the, the churches of the world became a desolation, a wilderness, a dry land that when God's Spirit left them, but were they populated? Oh, yes, they they were populated, and, and uh, they remain populated. The population of the churches and congregations of the world numbered almost 2 billion people. And, and although God's elect left, that was only a tiny remnant, and they maintain their numbers. They maintain hundreds and hundreds of millions of people in 
the land of the churches. It did not become desolate because all the people left. It became desolate because the Holy Spirit left. And immediately, from God's vantage point, it became desolate, a land not inhabited. And likewise now, we're, we're not to miss this in our verse in Jeremiah 50, actually in several verses in Jeremiah 50 and 51, God is indicating the end of the nations. Now, let me, let me read that again. It doesn't say the end of Judah. It doesn't say the end of, uh, of Israel. In Jeremiah 50 verse 12, the end of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert because of the wrath of Jehovah. It shall not be inhabited, but it shall be wholly desolate. Now you see how here God is speaking of Babylon, and yet he speaks of the end of the nations, that because this is uh, describing what Jeremiah 25 is describing. First, God gives the cup of wrath to the city called by his name. Then he takes the same cup and gives it to the nations of the world, to Babylon, who represents all of the rest of the inhabitants of the earth, the unsaved people of the world. And they will drink. And and what was God's judgment on uh, that began at the house of God? It was the removal of his spirit to make it a dry wasteland, a land not inhabited by the Son of Man. And what is God's um, judgment on the nations? Exactly the same. He gives them the same cup, identical in, in spiritual judgment, as the Holy Spirit leaves the world, and therefore the nations, the world, Babylon, becomes uninhabited and wholly desolate. A God's soul departed, making the desolate a land not inhabited. Now, I think this offers further evidence, further conclusive evidence, that Jeremiah 50 and 51, when we're reading of the destruction of Babylon, is referring to this world in the day of judgment. And we, we've seen all sorts of evidence for that. But uh, verses 12 and 13 of Jeremiah 50 offer further additional conclusive evidence since it's referring to the end of the nations. And then uh, it, it mentions that Babylon will become a land not inhabited and wholly desolate exactly as Isaiah 13 mentions in the context of, of that chapter of Judgment Day. Well, uh, let's also look at Ezekiel chapter 14. And we'll see uh, again how all of this language ties in perfectly with the idea that God left the world, Babylon, in the sense of ending his salvation program. In Ezekiel 14, it says, in uh, beginning in verse 12, the word of Jehovah came again to me, saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out mine hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, 
and will send famine upon it, and will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord Jehovah. If I cause noisome beasts to pass through the land, and they spoil it, so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beast. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord Jehovah, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. And and you see here God is describing the world of our time, of our day. This is the wrath of God. He has made the land desolate. And though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, be in it. That is, God is answering those that uh, wrongly say, well, it cannot be Judgment Day. God could not have ended his salvation program because the believers are still here. We're still here, therefore, uh, we, we are the light of the world, and, and God is still saving. Well, I, all I can say is they have not read Ezekiel 14. This is part of the Bible. This is the Word of God. And when anyone reads Ezekiel 14, honestly, with an open mind, how can you ever come to a conclusion that God will not bring judgment because of the presence of true believers? Obviously, Noah, Daniel, and Job were true believers. As a matter of fact, they were probably uh, the most faithful men you could ever find at, at any point in history. And yet God says, and, and notice there's three men indicating his purpose, and his purpose will not change. Noah, Daniel, and Job, though these three men were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord Jehovah. And, and they cannot even deliver sons or daughters. Uh, people who would be very close to them, people they would have the most influence over. You can be sure that Noah and Job would be greatly concerned for their children. Um, remember the Bible speaks of Noah as building an ark to the saving of his house. And so he was instrumental in the deliverance of his own children since his three sons and their daughter and their wives were on the ark. And and Job was so concerned about his children that he offered up um, sacrifice for them because he 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 said, "Well, who can tell if perhaps they have sinned against God in their hearts?" These men love their children, and and in their lives they were instrumental uh, in in the development of their children, and they certainly would be most diligent and and faithful in bringing the word of God to them and praying for their children, and yet. And yet God is saying, despite all their efforts and and all their prayers to him and all the times that they would bring the word of God to their children, yet 
when the Lord brings judgment upon the land. Let me read verse 16 of Ezekiel 14 again. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord Jehovah, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. You see, in a desolate land, there is no son of man. There, there, no man dwelleth therein. And therefore, when God's people live in a desolate land, as God is giving us the example here, then that means that they cannot deliver sons nor daughters. They cannot bring the gospel uh, to the point where God will bless it and save it. Why or why not? Because God isn't there. The Lord Jesus Christ is not there any longer to save. This is why when uh, the Holy Spirit left the congregations, and, and that occurred May 21, 1988, yet the true believers remained within the churches for several years. And were the true believers able to deliver sons or daughters in the midst of the congregations or or while they continue going to church could they could could their children be saved the answer is no not while they were in the church because they dwelt in a land that was a desolation there was a wilderness and a dry land where no son of man passes by and no man dwelleth. The Holy Spirit had abandoned the churches, and therefore it doesn't matter how faithful the true believer is, uh, he is as faithful as, as can be, like Noah, Daniel, and Job, and praying and praying for his children. Oh, God have mercy. No, they can deliver neither son nor daughter. Now at that time, by God's grace and mercy, the true believers could come out. And finally, God opened up the eyes of his people to come out and leave the churches and to enter into a place where there was rain, where the latter rain was falling outside of the churches over the course of the last 17 years of the Great Tribulation. And and then there was hope for deliverance. But now Babylon is is a desolate land. The world itself has become a dry land and a wilderness where no son of man passes by and no man dwelleth therein. God has done to the world what he did to the church. And now even though God's people are alive and remain and living on the earth in the day of judgment, they can deliver Neither sons nor daughters. They can't save anyone. Don't let anyone um, cause you to think otherwise because the Bible's very clear that it's an impossibility for a true believer to bring salvation. The Son of Man brings salvation. And only God brings salvation, not the true believers. We were carriers of the message uh, if it be God's good pleasure to save, well, then we can be instrumental and used of God. But if it's not God's good pleasure to save, if he has 
concluded his salvation program, then we're not to think that we're something special, that we're anything of ourselves. We can't uh, produce light. We're, we're only uh, carriers of the light of the gospel. Uh, we're not the ones that enlightened the world. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And and remember what God says in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 9. He says in verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. And that's a reference to the day of salvation. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I I am the light of the world. And now the day of salvation has ended and we have entered into the night, the spiritual night of judgment day and uh, the, the time when God has ended his salvation program and no longer is working to save sinners. Well, I think we'll uh, end our study here and... Uh, uh, Lord willing, the next time we get together, we'll complete verse 13, uh, which says, Everyone that goeth by Babylon shall be astonished and hiss at all her plagues. And then we'll continue on. And uh, we'll see that, that Jeremiah 50 and Jeremiah 51, it is uh, a constant um, hammer blow that God is is driving home the, the point no more salvation. No more salvation. Judgment has come. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.